we just love to worship and um, I'm still blown away by the truth that when we worship and it's all about him that he uses it to bless and encourage us because he is um, he's a good father because um, I was thinking and praying about the direction for Girls' Night Out this year, this same thought kept coming into my head over and over again, and it was that we have to make it about Christ. Every time that we get together, we have to put him on display. We have to behold who he is and seek to know him more deeply, because knowing him more deeply puts everything else in this life in its proper place. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3 that we count all things to be rubbish in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, our Lord. Knowing Christ changes our perspective. And so this year, at each of our Girls' Night Out events, we're going to talk about one of the I Am statements that is found in the book of John. We're going to look at who Christ proclaims himself to be and then look at how those truths should impact the way that we think, the way that we live. And tonight, I am going to very quickly walk us through the first I Am statement found in John 6, um, really quickly. So if you have a chance this week to go back and read through John 6, I would encourage you to do that. And in this chapter, Christ says, I am the bread of life. Bread. I like bread. <laughs> Bread is sustenance, right? And sustenance is defined as something that gives support, endurance, or strength. When we are sustained by something, it nourishes us, it promotes our growth, it actually buoys us up. Jesus Christ does this for our very souls. Christ is our sustainer. So in John chapter 6, that first section we see a very familiar story. There is a large group of people following Jesus because they have seen or they have heard about all the miracles that he's been performing on the sick. So this large crowd is gathered to him and these people are hungry. But the only food that the disciples can gather is five barley loaves and two fish. And you know how the story goes. Because Jesus Christ is God, he is able to distribute that food and everybody eats until they are filled, and then there are 12 baskets of food left over. It's an amazing display of God's power. So the next day, the people come looking for Jesus. And when they find him, they ask him, in verse 25, Teacher, when did you get here? Now, Jesus knows their hearts. He knows that yesterday they sought him because of all the miracles he was performing. But now, after having their tummies filled... Their motives have changed from seeing the supernatural, from seeing the things of God, to now seeing their very natural, very hungry tummies filled up once again. And so Jesus calls them on it. He says, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He says, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. 
He says that he, the Son of Man, he will give them something that will never perish, eternal life. And that they shouldn't be putting all of their efforts into finding sustenance and things that will not last. They should be seeking eternal life through the one the Father sent himself. Christ is saying that he has been sent by the Father. He's the one that they've been waiting for. But they don't want to take an honest word. They want to sign. So they say, what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So the rabbis had taught the people that the coming Messiah would prove that he had been sent by God by recreating the miracle of the manna, to prove that he had been sent by God to rescue them, just like Moses had been sent by God to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. Now Jesus takes this opportunity to clear something up. He tells them it was not Moses who gave them the manna in the wilderness. God the Father gave them the manna in the wilderness, and God the Father was now giving them the true bread from heaven, the bread that gives life to the world. Now these people are still thinking with their stomachs when they respond with, Lord, always give us this bread. They want a slice of this bread that they think will keep them from having to toil to meet their daily physical needs. They want now what the manna was for the people of Israel in the wilderness days. They just want a solution to a physical need. But what they don't see is that the manna was just a picture. It was a copy. It was just a shadow. But Jesus Christ, standing right in front of them, he is the substance. He's the real thing. A few weeks ago, I got to go with my parents and my kids to Yellowstone National Park. And in the few weeks leading up to our trip, the kids and I studied all about Yellowstone and all the things that we hoped we were going to see there. So we read books about geysers and volcanoes and bears, buffalo. We watched a couple documentaries. We saw footage of Old Faithful and lots of video of the wildlife. And then we actually went to the park. And on our second night there, we spent most of the day in the park, and then we went back to this little cabin for dinner, and then we got the kids in their jammies, we put them back in the car, and we drove back into the park to a place called Lamar Valley, where the buffalo love to roam. And we go driving down into this valley, and there's cars stopped in the road in front of us because there is a massive herd of buffalo crossing the, the street. And so we come to a stop and we roll down our windows and the buffalo start to cross right in front of our car. They're like right out the window. You can hear them grunting and snorting and see their nasty tongues sticking out. And uh, we had told the kids, like, you gotta be quiet. And my six-year-old, she's like whisper giggling. She's just so excited that there's a buffalo right outside her window. They were blown away. The books were just a shadow. That experience was the real thing. Now we can think about that and, and we can think that obviously seeing those buffalo in real life three feet away, like that's way better than the pictures in the books. That seems obvious to us. And it seems obvious to us that as we read this passage that Jesus Christ is the better bread. But the people were asking him for manna. But the manna was just a shadow of what he came to be. 
We're going to watch a video together now, and we're going to hear testimonies of how God has sustained his children. The women in, in this video, they are women from their own church family. They are just like you and me. They have hard things. They watch the dailiness of life and all of it, and the big things and the small things. They have seen God be faithful to sustain them. I know we're going to be encouraged by this, and um, after the video, we'll get a chance to talk around our tables. Well, first of all, I would say that I've needed God to sustain me my whole life. <laughs> you know, there's never really been a season that I haven't needed some type of sustainment from the Lord. But um, just now when you're asking me this, it really makes me think back to being a little girl. I was um, born into a very dysfunctional family. My father left at a very young age and he struggled with addiction throughout my childhood, which really prevented him from being involved in my life. And then my mother was left to be the sole care provider. So she wasn't around a whole lot and she was working full time pursuing higher education and that left me um, kind of a latchkey kid in my neighborhood. The last two and a half years, um, Alex and I, my husband Alex, we have been through a journey that many women are familiar with, many men, many families of trying to grow our family. We've been married for five years and have wanted babies and diving into trying to get pregnant was not how we expected. Um, it was complete opposite. So two and a half years was our journey of needing a family, needing to get pregnant, needing a baby. and. Um, being diagnosed with female infertility and male infertility, lots of unexplained things. They just put big blanket statements over it. And so you're kind of left with, hey, you know, who are we? What do we have? What's wrong with us? What does God have for us? What does he not have for us? Um, so lots of, lots of feelings to process through, lots of emotions and lots of just saying, Lord, you know, what is the next month gonna look like, much less, you know, the next two and a half years? Well, first of all, I want to say honestly, I have needed God to sustain me throughout my whole Christian life. And I have to go back to June of 17 when I was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease, stage four, with two months of kidney function left. And at that point in time, because there were so many odd circumstances, the doctor did not know what to do. And they came up with a plan this plan didn't work very well, though it made me really sick and it didn't help the kidneys much. So they tried another type of medication and plan. It also didn't make me so sick, but it didn't help the kidneys. So finally they tried chemotherapy and that's what brought things around. Well, during that time also, um, my heart decided that it would get in the play here. <laughs> it, um, I had heart failure and ended up in the hospital and. Uh, my heart was pumping 20%, and so over the next few months then, they tried to build up my blood, and I was on a series of shots, and a number of things happened. Well, then I'm going to fast forward a little bit till uh, Thanksgiving of last year. Um, my knee went out on me a couple days before, and um, I didn't have surgery until April of this year. And then in May, I got the diagnosis that I had breast cancer. 
And I didn't know to what extent or anything other than when I was first told that that's what it was. And my thought was, really, Lord? I mean, here I go again, really? It's uh, been a tough year. Mm -hmm. um, last November, um, lost a very, very dear friend to a heart attack. Um, my sister-in-law died from complications of COVID. And um, I had a nephew that took his own life. But last October, we lost our 18-year-old grandson, Tanner, to an accidental drug overdose. Um, a bright, bright light in our lives was snuffed out and left a big hole. Um, I, thinking back after praying through this, uh, just was remembering the season when we lost our first son, Ezra, and I know many of you walked that season with us, and um, nine years ago when we lost him, we encountered such deep grief, and it was the first time I had really experienced such an incredible loss. And following our loss of Ezra, I had some pregnancies where I really struggled with anxiety and then some postpartum seasons where I think I was really still working through a lot of the grief and then was now working through a lot of anxiety about my babies that were coming and um, God really sustained, sustained me through that season. I saw very clearly his hand working in my life in that season. When I look back on that, you really see how God ordained that neighborhood to really shelter me as a little girl. And there was always a stay-at-home mom who loved the Lord near me and ministered to me and took me along to church. We moved a lot, but every time we moved, it seemed there was always that family two or three doors down who felt called to me and would take me to church. It doesn't make sense that I get to live the life that I live right now, that I get to have a relationship with the Lord. It doesn't make sense that I am married to a man who pursues the Lord's best for us and that we have four wonderful kids, who, two of which have been baptized this last couple weeks. But that just is a testimony to what the Lord did in my life and how He pursued me from a young age. So I have I've had, I have traumatic births, I have traumatic um, deliveries and pregnancies. It has sparked severe postpartum depression. And throughout those seasons, the only truth that I could really rely on was God's Word. When I'd have these panic attacks or crying without reason, I knew that I could sit and get quiet and just repeat any scripture that I could remember if I didn't have my Bible with me. The Lord would use that to really bring me back to a stable well-being. We found out a couple months ago that we're pregnant, which is amazing. And the thing that keeps coming up in my mind is that that's not just the answer. That's not the... I mean, yes, it was our goal was to say, yes, we're having a baby, but that's not the answer. That's not saying, okay, God did his job. God 
showed up for us, God answered our prayer, um, all of that is true, but also saying like, hey, we were able to keep our testimony saying, the Lord has, you know, fueled us through this, carried us through this, realizing that the Lord is gonna give me what I need to be content and not in like worldly human standards, but in his sovereign plan and like having an eternal perspective that having a family on earth is wonderful, but knowing that our security and our home and our future is in heaven, reminding myself of those things daily was like exactly what I needed to be like, hey, take one day at a time, have a good testimony through this, know that the Lord is using you, maybe in someone else's life or in someone's future journey of this, but being content in what he had. It was the prayers of God's people that really sustained me. And also my time in the Word. His Word always sustains us. And I would have my quiet time out in the sunroom and I would read His Word and I would meditate on it. And I would pray. And as I was praying, I thought, you know, Lord, you are so good. I just want to concentrate on thanking you and praising you. I don't want to just be telling you all my problems. You know them anyway. And that's not to say I didn't pray for healing, because I did pray for healing. But I knew his plan was right, and his plan was good. I had some stinking thinking along the way. <laughs> but when I did, I really asked God, would you just take that and give me your peace? That peace that passeth all understanding. And um, God was so good and so gracious to do that. My peace did not come from a promise to take away my pain, but my peace came from that calm, unafraid confidence that I am in His hands. Another portion of God's Word that sustained me and has for a long time now, and I love it so much, and it, it, it just, everything that would concern me I go right to this verse, and that is Isaiah 41.10, and that is, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I praise God, because no matter what the circumstance or the outcome, I can rest in that. Um, It was really His Word. In those seasons of grief and anxiety, um, he just renewed my heart and mind with his word and I needed to be reminded of who he is. In the midst of those trials, I needed to have my eyes fixed on who is God? Who am I following? And then also in his word, the promises that he gives us. When I was overwhelmed with grief, those reminders of the promise he gives me and what he's going to do in my life and what he's done for many others are what really carried me through. And then um, just different passages of his word he continually was bringing to mind. Um, Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 91, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And in those seasons, it was literally a moment by moment thing as the waves of grief would come, 
as anxiety would come in and be crippling, I had to really just be speaking those truths to myself and God was using that, His word and His promises to renew my heart and to calm my heart. And the trial didn't necessarily change. You know, I was still in the middle of grief. I was still very anxious, but um, as I fixed my eyes on Him, moment by moment, He was calming my heart and sustaining me. That is what sustained me through those um, those days. The trial was difficult, still can be difficult, um, but I am so thankful for who God is and the depth of understanding of Him that I have now um, and the, the depth of seeing Him sustain me through that season. I. I'm so thankful for that and it changed who who I am and how I see him and I'm really grateful that he used that season to do that. I've walked this path of faith for a long time and so I knew exactly as each of these things started happening that I had to saturate myself in the Word because I know he is the God of all comfort. I know that I will never leave you or forsake you. And in this world, you will have suffering. But do not fear. I have overcome the world. And just scripture that I had memorized, that I had meditated on for years and years and years and years, and just coming to the Word and reading it, sustains me. It sustained me then, it sustains me even today as I open it and, and hear the very words of God. One night I was laying in bed wide awake with so many questions and just a heaviness on my heart. And so I went to something that was very familiar. The Lord is my shepherd, and because He is my shepherd, I have no needs because He meets every one of them. He has, lets me rest. He takes me and lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and I stopped. He restores my soul. And I thought, that is exactly what I need. And that is exactly what He does. He restores my soul. And He leads me in path of righteousness. And that to me right then meant to know what is true about my situation and know what is true about Him. Why? For His name's sake, so that He will be glorified. He restores my soul. What I like to think about is that one day I will be standing with Tanner looking into the face of Jesus and with Bill and with Susan and with Chris he restores my soul.